It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 81 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. And it's strange because today's Saturday. It's not a Happy bonus Saturday. episode. There you go. Thank you. It's not a bonus episode or anything like that. It's just a regular episode. It's just kind of been pushed. We had a three-day weekend from Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, so everything got shifted a little bit. Now we're uh, we're flying good till Saturday. And then we'll be back on Monday. Woohoo! I know. That's about the extent of everything I have to say. That's it for today? Yeah. That's the quickest episode ever. Well, not episode, just introduction. Oh, okay. I don't have anything going on. I think it's because it's Saturday. I'm ready to get outside and, and get going. Go enjoy the sunshine and the wind. Yeah. So that's it. Did you have any news or anything? I mean, everybody, if they're wanting to have their pirate action like we have pirate action, then they can go over to our Facebook crew. I'm not sure what he's talking about. <laughs> pirate action on Facebook. It's the Facebook oh, listeners crew. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, it's the Cursed Listeners crew on Facebook. It's our Facebook group. I got and we a also little worried a pa- there. We also have a page. It's facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. That's our page where we typically just post our episodes. Yeah. But we have most of the discussions actually in the listeners crew. And I should probably do something about that because... We need to break it up a little bit besides just all the episodes on there. So we probably should get a little more active on that. It's just been a crazy couple of weeks. Couple of weeks, yeah. So we haven't been quite up to par as what we wanted to do. And we say that all the time, so I don't know yeah. if that's anything new. We always have crazy be- couple of weeks. Exactly. So I say we just get into it and get the weekend going. But we are get the actually, weekend rolling. Get the weekend rolling. But I actually am just really excited to see all the new listeners that are coming on board. There's a lot of people listening, so it's just really great to to really have that kind of community, and I'm glad people are enjoying the show, hopefully. And don't forget, if you wanted to leave a comment, you can call us on our Pirate Hotline. Oh, yeah. It's 8637-PIRATE, and you can always send emails or that kind of stuff. We'll go ahead and read it and share it on the show. So if you want to do that, go for it. Let us know how we're doing. We always appreciate that. Or if you wanted to comment about how Heather's made a mistake on something, you can do that, too. I just love oh. those emails. <laughs> Those are all the time. You'd think I'd get tired of them, but I don't. It's like, wow, another person agrees with me. And this is thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are doing wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, I said hundreds of thousands I of people agree so. with me on this. In the previous minute, because I'm not going to allow Heather to talk about this anymore. In the previous minute, you don't want me Elizabeth Swan tells Will Turner that it would have been awful if he was a pirate. Unfortunately... She fails to realize that Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio have put him on a path to becoming a pirate. He broke a pirate out of jail, commandeered a ship, sailed out of Tortuga with a buccaneer crew, and is obsessed with the treasure. Yeah, I smell pirate. (laughs) Speaking of scallywags, we join Captain Jack Sparrow and Hector Barbosa attempting to come to an accord, specifically outlining the details on just exactly how they can each get what they want. 
a name for Barbosa and a ship for Jack. Without getting stabbed in the back, actually. I didn't really like that minute breakdown. If I really wanted to, I'd go redo it, but... It's Saturday. I just can't do it. <laughs> After I read it now, I'm just like, oh, that was pretty poor. I think that was too, that was like lazily written yeah, Saturday Yeah, well, it stuff. wasn't enough. How dare you? I can critique my own stuff, but you do that? Dang it, woman. Walk the plank. Talk about a true scallion. Yeah, you know, at the end of the week, boy, I just let that die. That's what happens when you shift things. My God. Man. I'm sorry about that. I let everybody I'm down. I'm ashamed. Now. Yeah, I'm ashamed too. Ugh. Normally they're so witty. Yeah, this was... This was not. This is like it was written by our dog, Banjo. It's like you weren't feeling this minute or something. Uh, you know, I have actually had a lot of trouble with these minutes <laughs> these past this week. And I don't know if it's because of the staycation. I mean, not, I shouldn't say the whole week. It's been mostly the last few minutes. Yeah. I don't know. It's like... You're just having a rough time with yeah, them. Yeah, I am too. So everybody should be really excited for the <laughs> dazzling show that's about to come. Boy, the the humor and the analysis, it's going to just be... Man, you guys just won't even be able to get enough of it. Minute 81 begins with Jack continuing to talk to Barbosa, And then I'll shout the name back to you. Savvy? Barbosa responds, That still leaves the problem of me standing on some beach with not but a name in your word. It's the one I need. The minute ends with the Black Pearl coming upon the HMS Interceptor. Barbosa looks through his telescope as Jack gets in front of the glass. I'm having a thought here, Barbosa. What say we run up a flag of truce? I scurry, dot, dot, dot. 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 So ends the minute for the week. There you go. He's going to scurry off. He's going to scurry. Yeah. It sounds like Jack to scurry. We talked about it last time, and then we kind of delayed it, and that was part of my whole kind of lazily just floating through these past couple of minutes here. But the chess match between Jack and Barbosa really is in full swing. No one trusts the other, and I'm not so sure that I blame them either. I can see how Jack obviously doesn't want to trust Barbosa, and that's understandable, and I right. can see that. But I can also see how Barbosa doesn't want to trust Jack, even though maybe you want to root for the hero. I mean, this is the guy he set on an island. Exactly. So why would Jack or why Just... would Barbosa want to trust Jack after doing something like that? Right. Right. I mean, I I just see... But Jack's more trustworthy than Barbosa with if the past. Yeah, yeah. But if you're just... If you're one side or the... If you're Barbosa, you're not going to trust Jack. No. Okay, then. So we can see how it goes both ways. I really just like Jack Start sticking it to Barbosa. Well, kind of. Not really, though. Jack's the one holding all the cards. He can say this is going to happen. Right. I mean, I guess they could try and start torturing him or something to get it out of him. Could do that, maybe. Yeah. I guess Jack Wonder if they took any. That. Devices from the blacksmith shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those crazy <laughs> devices in the blacksmith shop. That's a very real possibility, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Barbosa's sitting there going, I don't want to have to take you down to the brig area. We got some crazy tools that we picked up in this blacksmith shop. And yeah. then all hell's going to break loose. And then Jack's going to be just going, oh, I'll give you the name then. And Barbosa has all the pirates on his side right now. That he does. So it's not Jack's just himself. So it's not like he's got anybody to help him either. No. He definitely doesn't have anybody to help him. All he it, has is what he's holding. That's right. Yeah. And But sometimes that can be enough. I mean, we'll hopefully we'll see that. As I was saying, I really do like Jack just sticking it to Barbosa. It's not just calling him out that of the two of them, one has engaged in mutiny and thus the other one cannot be trusted. But that he starts looking through the apples on the table and he picks one out and then he proceeds to take a bite. And then he even offers a bite to Barbosa knowing he can't taste it. Yeah. And that's just really awesome. Yeah. 
And Barbosa's in there. Me, now, now I said, I can't believe I just said it. It's really awesome because it just is that Saturday Night Live bit. And I used that in a previous, I think it was one of the intros or whatever. When you have Chris Farley's character, he's doing the interviews. And he says, remember that time that I picked an apple out of your bowl and then I ate it. And then I offered you a bite knowing you can't taste it. That was really awesome. <laughs> You don't even remember that. No. But it's an old Saturday Night Live bit. And I used it on one of our other intros. And so it was just kind of in there hiding there. But yeah, it's this really, yeah, it really is sticking it to him in kind of this subtle, somewhat subtle way. Because you even see that when he tops off this conversation with the Apple offer. Yeah. Barbosa doesn't really have any real argument left and can barely muster an uncomfortable kind of irritated smirk. Like, yeah, you know, this is just really irritating me that I'm even sitting here talking to you about this. Well, he seemed a bit jealous of that apple when Jack was eating it. Almost to the point that he's drooling. Well, he's watching him go through all these variety of apples here. And like I said, it's this kind of weird smirk that, yeah, he knows that he's right. Jack kind of made a valid point. And now he's going to proceed to eat this right in front of me, knowing... Or maybe Jack doesn't know. I don't know. Maybe Jack knows from having him be a first mate that he really loves apples or something. And that this curse is really a plague upon that. Yeah. I I would have to say that Jack knows that about the curse and not being able to... Taste food. Taste food. Because he sure seemed to be rubbing it in about this apple. That's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Rubbing it in. With the bowl of apples sitting there. And he's kind of playing with them all. So was that Barbosa's bushel of apples? No, bushel's like 48 apples or something like that. I got technical on you. <laughs> yeah. No, but... Because he, he was all ready. He had all his apples out and ready to eat That's what, when he came back. I'm saying his bushel is probably down below deck with the other food, and this is just yeah. a sampling. So he has a sampling of part of one of his bushels that he's keeping below deck. Yes. So he just brought some up, and then he gets back to the pearl... And, he, and lo and behold, he can't taste those freaking apples. <laughs> and Jack's eating them in front yeah, of him. Yeah, and not only that, Jack's eating his and, own apples. And it made, you know, if he listened, it actually, they had the sound in there of the biting into the apple. It's a crisp apple. Exactly, you know, to give it even more of a punch to Barbosa. <laughs> a crispy punch to the face. Yes. I also like that it's good to see Jack currently holding all these cards and then giving Barbosa a taste. And that is a pun intended of his interaction with Elizabeth way back in Port Royal. Because that's when Barbosa was kind of holding all the cards. Because he knew the information. And Elizabeth didn't. And he ends up tricking her, doing that classic trickster stuff. Yeah. And then getting her to go along and all that. Right. Now, it's kind of the shoes on the other foot. And we're seeing that same kind of stuff happen here with Jack. But he hasn't really sold any of the trickster stuff yet. He still, he hasn't closed the deal, Jack hasn't. No. With Barbosa yet. No. Well, he's... He's talking about leaving him on an island. Well, he has to be able to take the ship. That's the whole point. Well, I know, but that's How why he's he not closing that? the deal with he Barbosa. Can't, like, he can't like give him the name while he's on the ship because then they're just not going to let him take it. Yeah. But what's also interesting is how is Jack going proposing to sail the ship all by himself? Do they get it ready and all jump off or how's that going to work? I'm thinking he thinks the crew's going to just follow him. Oh, you're no way. The crew can't just follow him. Why? They're cursed still. They're cursed. They're going to go back with Barbosa mm. to make sure that the whole thing is. So Jack would 
be the lone person left on the Black Pearl to have to try and sail it away. You can't sail the Black Pearl all with one person, no, right? No, definitely not. So maybe he'd grab some of the crew off the Interceptor. They're hoping that they swing back around, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Or he could signal them or something. But yeah, so they're gonna. he's hoping that they're going to be... He wants to drop them on an island, and then when he's out of their range... To be able to get back on board, he's going to shout the name to him. And that's what the yeah. contention is. And Barbosa's like, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> even, what was that name? I didn't quite yeah, hear it. Yeah, what if it's muffled or something? There's like a wind or a seagull comes by at the wrong time. I didn't get away. that. Yeah. It's all screwed up then. But you don't want as Jack. Will Turner. Bill, Bill Burner. Bill Burner. <laughs> I'm looking for a Bill Burner. <laughs> No, but that's the problem. I mean, it really is this, yeah, this whole issue here. And how is Barbosa going to, because, you know, from Barbosa's point of view, he just doesn't want to be left saddled with that. Because what if Jack sails away or it's not the right name? Like he was contending. Right. But there's also the fact that, I mean, Jack should just come back and tell him, hey, I don't want skeleton pirates trying to hunt me down for the rest of my life. So trust me, I'm going to give you the name. Yeah. And go from there. I don't know if Barbosa would believe that. I don't either. I mean, that's just not being trusting. So, and again, the other problem is if they're going to strand them on a beach somewhere, is this a beach or a small island that's never going to have a boat pass by? Or how? <laughs> when would the boat pass by? Because they're near Isla de Muerta, which is uncharted. So right. is it somewhere near there? They're going to be skeleton just immortal on this stupid tiny <laughs> beach forever waiting for a ship to come by to pick up these guys. Yeah. That'd be a bummer. You think? Or they just got to start swimming or something. Yeah. (laughs) That sucks. So Jack says, I suppose I should be thanking you because, in fact, if you hadn't betrayed me and left me to die, I would have equal share in that curse, same as you. Well, Jack wouldn't have gotten rid of Bootstrap. That's true. Because he liked Bootstrap. He would have kept Bootstrap on the crew. Yeah, but he means that they would have spent all the coins or right. the medallions. And so then they would have still had to spend 10 years or more hunting, like 10 them, years down. hunting them down again. Right. So he would have still been doing that. Right. But he wouldn't but have to worry about the blood. Yeah, about the bootstrap Because he would have bootstrap. So everything else would be okay. But there's still that whole ten irritation years of. of 10 years trying to live like this so they can track all that down. Right. Funny old world, isn't it? That it is. As I mentioned, Barbosa does have a nice selection of apples on board, and he was really just waiting for the curse to be lifted, like we said, so he could enjoy all kinds of different apples. He yeah. doesn't have one there. He's got a lot of different ones that are in this Right. Bowl. Well, before he offered Elizabeth the apple, yeah. it was a green apple. Okay, yeah. You know, it wasn't like a different, he didn't have a bunch of a red bunch of different or ones. any well, I don't colors. remember what was on the table, if he just had that one, if there's a, yeah, a number of apples. Remember. But he is watching Jack definitely enjoy the fruits of his labor on that. Yes. So I figured I would check in on the bowl of apples we see in this minute. Did they talk? Well, when I check in, it's not like I was checking in to like, how are you guys? You guys okay? <laughs> it's like I would check in to kind of see what was going on with them. And I quickly realized that this might actually be one hell of a project and fairly daunting. So depending on how seriously I take it, I was making some decisions like, do I really want to embark on this project or not? 
And I pretty much chose not because according to a number of sources, there are more than 7,500 known cultivars of apples. And I, for one, certainly don't have the time right now to scroll through a list of, say, 8,000 apples. You don't? And then try and identify the specific apples that we see on Barbosa's table. Wow, I thought you had that kind of time. No, 8,000 different ones. There's bound to be some that look similar and stuff. And so then trying to identify which ones they are and then to get into that and then... Yeah, it really creates a whole nightmare that I just really wasn't able to go for. So basically, I abandoned ship on that particular project. But as I was saying, if I take it a little less seriously, then I probably am safe to assume that production design used some common apples found in grocery stores around the yeah. shooting location as opposed to being like historically accurate apples. Right. Yeah, I would take it that way. It'd just be easier. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And who's going to research the apples? Oh, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there. It looked like there was a, a number of varieties that maybe you don't always see in stores. So maybe some specialty types. But yeah, I really didn't get into it. And I figured with my personality and the way I am, once I start down that road, it's possible that I would still be doing that right now and you trying would. to match them up. So I, I really did not want to try and get into that. So being that less kind of serious approach that we're not that we're saying that they're not necessarily historically accurate varietals right and we're making the assumption that they are say grocery store ones then i can't make some assumptions on the types that they were and so it looks like jack grabs a golden delicious or maybe a light colored granny smith so we've been having some debate here yeah on that looks and more granny you smith are to me I will say you are better at identifying colors given my colorblind aztec curse <laughs> so I know when I argue this stuff that I don't know why I argue it all the time. I don't know either. Because I clearly have trouble distinguishing some colors. And to say you're wrong, I don't know where that comes from or why I have that <laughs> need to do that. But clearly I should default to the person who can actually distinguish the greens and all these things. As opposed to me, who has their own crazy idea of maybe what greens and blues and purples look like because that's my experience of those thank you Where somebody who actually has say normal color vision can distinguish that stuff but yet again i still wanted to throw it in in my notes golden delicious because i swear it looks like a golden delicious there is a look what looks like a golden delicious in the bowl it's sitting next to I'm a talking granny about the smith one that he holds of the jack bites from right and the one he grabs is a green apple <sighs> It has no yellow, yeah, but no little red. Golden delicious sometimes are green. Not that green. <sighs> See, that's the. I wish I could argue this without saying I'm colorblind. Damn it. <laughs> so I don't know, even know why I'm continuing this. But I did then go. Well, I'm going to look up golden delicious anyways, and it was developed in 1914 and came out of West Virginia. So part of the issue identifying apples are the possible similarities in look. I mean, there's 8,000 cultivars. For crying out loud. And many are hybrids of one another. So there are bound to be some that look the same or some similar colors. If we were to really try and maybe paint some historical accuracy here. Or trying to find exactly what they were. Right. But like I said, kind of common grocery store ones is what I'm assuming here. And then there's the Granny Smith apple, which is out of Australia. And that was developed in 1868. So at least Golden Delicious and Granny Smith were not necessarily around at this particular time. But it's entirely and most likely possible that the apples we see on the tables then are, like I said, not historically accurate. But I think why let an apple get in the way of our reality here? We have pirate skeletons and Aztec curses <laughs> to deal with. That's the reality that we exactly. want to deal with. Not trying to discover what the apples were. I think I've seen on the IMDb page 
that Hector Barbosa actually has that Granny Smith apple. So that would be okay. back in the cabin when Elizabeth yes. is coming on. And that's the one he kind of, through the movies, Yeah, that's the apple he always has, is a Granny Smith. Okay. And that it is not historically accurate. Yeah, that would be 1868. Yeah. Out of Australia there, like yeah. we said. But I did find some cool facts when I was perusing some apples, because I couldn't stay away completely. <laughs> but I did stay away from really going through all 8,000 of those. So yes, nerding out on Apple facts is happening here. It's a reality for you guys now. Don't panic. It's just a little bit. It's a first for me also, so we're in it together. <laughs> and it shouldn't be surprising to any of you because we are talking about a movie a single minute at a time. So this crazy stuff is going to happen, but at least we're all together doing it. So the apple originated in the so-called fruit forest of Eastern Europe. And the fruit would have been smaller and a bit more bitter than the apples that we eat today. And it was said that travelers through the forest would have eaten the larger, sweeter apples and started this whole process of selection, spreading seeds across Europe and north into the Baltic region. So you can imagine if you're going to, it's kind of like natural selection going on here. So people were always looking for the sweeter, bigger ones Mm. and leaving the bitter ones behind. And so that's the ones that they kept spreading as the ones that they were taking. So that kind of just started getting that whole varietal process going to have something a bit sweeter and larger. And the last one I have, since I said I wasn't going to beat you down with a bunch of apple facts... And not even a bunch of apple symbolism. So this is, yeah, I'm really departing from the norm here. Wow. But I do have some little tidbit about that. I you had more that. information on the symbolism. No, I didn't want to bring that. Oh, okay. Not today. Not yet? No. Okay. But apples are linked to fairyland. And who doesn't like fairyland? So maybe there is this little symbolism here. So maybe I lied. It's said that if you fall asleep in an orchard, you may wake up years later. Also, while treasure buried under an apple tree will allegedly never rot or be found. It's no coincidence that we go apple bobbing on Halloween. Both the water and the fruit will put you in touch with the fairy kingdom. Wow. So that's something to think about, folks. go apple bobbing. exactly. One Halloween tradition involves taking a bite from an apple and then sleeping with it under your pillow in order to dream of your true love. I thought that was I better get my apple and put it under my pillow. (laughs) I've been trying to... I've been sleeping with an apple under my... Pillow for years and years. And the closest I've got is the Banjo and Froggy, our two dogs. That's why you had the dream about us getting married again. <laughs> Jesus, hoop springs out on somebody. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a nightmare. Walk the plank. There, you bring up You're nightmares. the one that said it. Who brings up you, nightmares like that? You're the one that had the dream. I did not. There's no proof of that. You so don't. that is my Apple facts. And that is it. And has some connection to Fairyland, which I thought was somehow kind of weirdly related to what we're seeing here with supernatural stuff. Fairyland, supernatural, yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. And while we're talking Fairyland and supernatural, this kind of brings me to my next stage in this episode, and I labeled it in my notes the Monkey Captain. Maybe that should be the actual episode. (laughs) That Barbosa? No. So tell me what you think about my monkey captain hypothesis. I mean, now that I have even more oh. hard evidence. And, you know, this this is the idea that the monkey is or believes yes. himself to actually be the captain of the Black Pearl. Yes. It's a really popular theory that I've started in my own mind. <laughs> and a lot of people... <laughs> I thought people were commenting on it. A lot of my personalities are telling me that it's really popular oh, okay. and they like it. So I think other people have probably heard from it. But as I said, it's this whole idea that I believe that the monkey either is or believes to actually be the captain, at least 
in his little own mind. Yes. So it could either be that in reality or it's just a figment of his imagination. So I have more evidence for that in this particular minute, and it was just awesome. Remember that time when the monkey was captain? That's awesome. Okay, anyway, it's Saturday Night Live. In this minute, Boson walks in and says they're approaching the Interceptor, right? Yes. Who's the first one to react when he walks in and says that? The monkey runs over Jack. Yes, the monkey. The monkey jumps from his perch and runs out of the cabin before anyone else can basically even flinch. I mean, <laughs> he's already gone. I mean, Jack does flinch because it lands right Oh, yeah. Him. Jack doesn't seem to like the monkey very no, much. He, he's not in favor of the monkey. But they're still sitting there. The monkey is gone. Yeah. He's heard the news. He's out. He's got to command he's, the crew. Yep. Yes. He's like, oh, my God. Boson came in because Boson says, what does he say? Captain. Captain. He doesn't That's even right. say Barbosa or Thank anything. Thank you. Captain. So he says, Captain. Thanks for bolstering my argument. Uh-huh. Says, Captain, we're approaching the interceptor kind of deal. Right. right. The monkey takes off because he knows Boson was talking to him. Right. He's like, I got to get out on deck. So he takes off. So obviously the monkey thought Boson was talking to him. Well, the, no, the monkey and knew Boson was talking to right. him. You're right. The monkey knew Boson was talking to him. And so he had to get his act together so he can go command the crew, make sure that they're doing what they need to do to right. catch up to it. Also, we do know that the monkey loves gold. So I'm sure it's calling to him. Animals typically have better senses than humans. So maybe the calling is more intense. And that's why he also ran. He's like, oh, Boson kind of just woke me up off the perch. Wow, I can really feel the Aztec gold out there. And so he ran off to get that because he's really in tune with it. And when the ship gets close enough, he's just going to jump over and go grab it. We also see in this particular minute the monkey on the map table or with the charts. So he's probably checking the charts and the maps to see and to make sure that the crew can intercept the The interceptor. interceptor. Yeah, that's a little weird. But anyways... (laughs) (laughs) to catch the interceptor (laughs) there you go so it's all right there and did you notice what was sitting by the monkey on that table there an apple not an apple oh i don't know i I don't don't think that there was what are you making stuff up (laughs) yeah it's a loud hailer so it's like a megaphone it's that blowhorn kind of deal to enhance his voice and you see one actually on the chart table there oh really yeah just right in the background there how could you not notice it this minute by minute breakdown i know so the monkey is not only looking over the charts, but he's prepared to shout orders to the crew. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's ready to go. So based on this obvious fallacy-laden evidence that I have provided, I think it's safe to assume the monkey is the real captain. And it wouldn't shock me if he was the one who orchestrated everything and uses Barbosa as his human minion or puppet. Puppet. There you go. Pop it. Pop it. <laughs> there, there we go. It's pop it. <laughs> I'm not going to go into any real detail here, but I did want to make sure that I did mention those nautical instruments that we saw in the Black Pearl. And yeah. one of those was that loud hailer because it really is there. It's like this brass one that's sitting there. And it's kind of interesting that they had that there as part of something yes. to see. And then there's also, obviously, Barbosa uses his spyglass. And just like everyone else out there, it's decreed by law that if you have a spyglass or a telescope or binoculars, everyone has to stick their hand or head in front of the telescope <laughs> or the binoculars at least once in their life. How do you see out that thing? Did you look at it? What? His spyglass. Yeah. Did you see what when Jack was in it? Yeah. How do you see anything through dirty. that? Yeah. Well, they're on the ocean, and these, you know, it's not. The thing was filthy. You couldn't see anything. Hey, Jack was all blurry in it. 18th century telescope thing. 
Actually, maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's twice it's by law that you have to do that. Because it's once when you're a kid and then once when you're an adult. You really do have to have that span. And that's the minimum number of times that you Minimum. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I'm on the far end of doing that stuff. Some people are out there on the minimum end. I really skew that whole process. Yes. To any time anybody has that, I will do that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is by law. I had the binoculars out a couple weeks ago, and you were in them. I probably did that. Yeah. So that is something that I do. Yeah. But it's not just me. Like I said, it is everybody out there that does that. So speaking of Jack here and his sticking his face in the spyglass, did you notice he's wearing less makeup in the scene? I didn't. Now, that oh, I can kind of think about it, yes, but I'd have to look at it some more because I know you were talking about this before the makeup. My assumption was this was actually filmed before the cave scene when they realized his makeup was much better when it was darker. Yeah, because you were telling us on a previous episode about yeah, that. how episodes, yeah. Yeah, they used the makeup to enhance his features in the cave scene, yes. kind of more in the dark, but then they realized they actually liked the look of it. Yeah. And then they carried it out through the rest of the film. So, yeah, if his makeup is prominent in this particular scene, then that means it was filmed before the cave scene and so yeah. that's kind of an interesting thing you can kind of piece together then when they actually film the scenes because you'll notice that his makeup is different at different right. points in the movie yeah and it kind of went back towards the beginning of the movie again just to kind of quickly glance at different scenes yeah and check out his makeup here and there to see what and what'd you find did you see differences between them yeah when him and will are on the interceptor and actually, when they're picking up all the crew yeah, for the Interceptor, you can see his makeup was darker then. I see. Yeah. Very so cool. So I thought it was kind of cool. You kind of that you can actually see, see that, that difference yeah. now that you know. Yeah, because it's not something I had ever paid attention no, to no, or would. But it's you, interesting now that you point that out that now everybody's going to be out there looking at Jack's eyes. Right. Hey, he's not wearing any eyeliner in there. <laughs> you wouldn't notice unless you're like, unless you know this. You know, but I was kind of looking at him. That's going, kind of a weird fallacy. Oh, yeah. You're not going to know this unless know. you know this. Unless you know this fact. Oh, Does that sound better? fact, yeah. So I was kind of looking at him in this scene. I'm going, kind of looks a little different. And then I realized it was his makeup. He's just not wearing as much in this scene. And that's your makeup tip 101. That it is. Excellent. That's all I have for the day. Since that's all I have for the minute breakdown, and apparently that's all you have for the minute here... Yep. Let's move on to our weekly segment, Really Bad Eggs, and share our favorite lines from the last week, the last five episodes. So what do you have for us? I got to take a deep breath. This one's a long one. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Of the two of us, I am the only one who hasn't committed mutiny. Therefore, my word is the one we'll be trusting. Although I suppose I should be thanking you because, in fact, if you hadn't betrayed me, and left me to die, I would have equal share in that curse, same as you. Funny old world, isn't it? <laughs> That's a hell of a line you picked there. You just picked the longest one there? No. Okay, why'd you pick it then? <laughs> I picked it because this is throwing it in Barbosa's face. The whole oh. situation, the whole thing is just throwing it in his oh, face. That's a good, yeah. You know, and I just thought it was kind of cool that Barbosa's done all this stuff to Jack, left him on an island to die, basically. Yeah. Kicked him off the boat and all this stuff. And Jack's been trying to get to Black to the Black Pearl for all these years. And he finally has his chance back with Barbosa. 
and now he's just throwing it all in his face. Wouldn't you though? Well, yeah, of course. But <laughs> especially I think it's... when he finds out that they have been cursed. I mean, that's the perfect "I told you so" kind right. of deal. Right. If ever there warranted a "I told you so," that was it. Yep. And Jack's able to pull that off successfully and not look like a real douchebag right doing it right this is actually you left me to die now look at what you get that's yep. your just desserts and i'm by the way i'm gonna eat your apples <laughs> so that's why i chose that one so mine is from will turner and it's kind of the subplot or sub adventure that we've been seeing in this movie will says to elizabeth in minute 80 it was my father's blood my blood the blood of a pirate and we have been watching Will transform into a real pirate ever since connecting with Jack in jail. Yeah. That he started kind of down that road. Kind of doing the checklist of things to become a real pirate. Right. And even Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio talked to that they have a checklist. The one that is conspicuously absent on their checklist, though, is making a Jolly Roger or pirate flag, skull and crossbones kind of deal. Right. But that does not yet as far as my rules of becoming a pirate, make one a pirate just because you have the black flag or not. Yeah. Because he has been doing all these other things. But it's interesting because Will has always despised pirates, at least that we've seen him. Yes. He's contested becoming a pirate. He's denied his father was a pirate. But in the very beginning of the movie, Elizabeth mistook him for a pirate, which right. is really weird if yeah. you think about that. So all of this time that we've seen Will, he's either been fighting pirate or fighting with Jack because he's a pirate denying all this pirate stuff in his life but the very first thing we ever see of will turner is him, is him being mistaken for a pirate right. which is this weird irony in this whole movie that i never really thought about until i started thinking about this particular yeah. quote i thought wow that's really bizarre yeah that he wants us not to believe he's a pirate and he goes so far not to be a pirate but the one person that he really loves actually thought he was a pirate right <laughs> if anybody should know him that would be the person, and she actually thought he was a pirate, at least in the beginning. And that would be awful. That's right. So based on what we know of the curse, the only way for it to end is to have the blood of anyone, in this case a pirate, who took gold from the chest to be repaid. And Will's blood is the blood of a pirate that right. needs to be repaid. So although we have seen Will attempt to escape this destiny, yeah. he is not only on the road to technically becoming a pirate, because really he's not, it's kind of a technicality pirate. If we really want to yeah. look at it from that kind of way, depending on your definition of pirate. He's transforming. Yeah. But right from the outset of the movie, you know, we do have him identified as one, even if it's only for a short while. And so that's why I kind of look at this whole thing is like almost Will has been a pirate the whole time. Right. <laughs> it's really yeah. bizarre. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So that's all I have. I like to just end, like I said, on blood repaid and pirates. Blood. So there we go. That's why I chose. That's the only reason I chose it, just so I could say blood at the end. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Nope. That's all I have for today. I say it's Saturday, so let's get the hell out of here. Give me my grog. Oh, too early. Our grog. <laughs> and I'm laughing. It's Saturday. I'm laughing because it's not too early for her. That's what she actually <laughs> thinks. It could be 2 a.m. It's not too early. 8 a.m. Or not. It's it's never too early for her. Well, 9 o'clock is pretty much a cutoff for the night. So. Oh, my God. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 82 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. And until then, and I know it's a weekend, but please, you know, keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. Now, get me my grog. There you go. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? 
Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.